Hi, and welcome to the Trailside Channel. We are so glad you're joining us. God has a place and a purpose for you, and we hope this message helps you find that and know how much He loves you. Thanks for stopping by and enjoy the message. God wants to fill the house with broken people. I believe that God wants to fill the Trailside house with broken people. Look at what the scripture says. I'm going to read this to you. I threw him a curveball. I don't always preach out of the message. As a matter of fact, this is the first time I've ever preached out of the message version, but I think it words it so well. But it says this, Jesus had told them about other parables, and he said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by this story of a king who prepared this great wedding feast for his son. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them the feast has been prepared, the bulls and the fatted calf have been killed, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But he says the guest he had invited ignored them, and they went their own way. One went to his farm, another guest went to his business, and others seized these messengers and insulted them and killed them. Let me, let me just explain that verse. It says others seized the messengers that were sent to invite the party planners. Um, they, those guys didn't have anything to do, so they just decided to kill the party planners. They murdered them. So if you don't have anything else to do, there's a biblical option to kill people, I guess. But he says that they seized them and they killed them. Verse 7 says the king became furious. He sent out his armies to destroy all these murders. He burned their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready. The guests that I have invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners. And he says this, and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. In the passage, what Jesus is saying, he's illustrating the kingdom the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom is the banquet that God is throwing for his son, Jesus. And the banquet would be us, the church. Now, some people were on this guest list. He invited some people, but they had other things to do. They had barbecues to go to. They had to wash their car. They had to go on their son's travel ball team for the weekend. They had other priorities than attending the banquet to honor Jesus. And so it says all these people were invited but they had these other things to do. They weren't up to it. They, you've probably been there. Let's be honest. Sometimes I know I, I'm a graduate of North Greenville. I went to North Greenville. My wife and I both went there. And Sunday mornings was like, um, I got to pray about this. I got because I feel like I could have a good quiet time right here in the dorm. My roommate's going for the weekend. He's not going to wake me up. Anybody be real right now? Some of you had that thought this morning, right? That's the enemy, by the way. Um, it, although it feels good. I mean, as a pastor, second Saturday is really good if you can get a second Saturday. And uh, that means you don't go to church on Sunday. But these people had other things to do. We've been there. We, we've had this thought. And he tells the servants, go out. Go out. I know we've already sent an invitation and people said, no, they're not showing up. But I want you to go out and every person you lay your eyes on, invite them back in every person. I want you to get the good and I want you to get the bad, regardless of their life, regardless of what they've done, regardless of who they've done it with. He says, get everybody that you meet and fill this house. And I want to talk to you about three things that God wants to do to fill Trailside Church. You ready for that? Yeah, two people? Sweet. Um, came all the way for you guys. God wants to fill the house, but before he fills it, we got to believe that he wants to do that. We have to believe that God wants to do something so great in us before he'll do something so great through us, that, that he wants to do something, but we have to posture ourselves 
in a position to say, God, whatever, whenever, however, I'm ready to do this. Here's the first thing God wants to do to fill the trail side house. God wants to fill this house with broken people, with broken people. Sometimes in church, we want safe church. We want theologically correct with everything that we do church. Can I tell you something? I've gone to school. I have degrees too. Pastor Sean has degrees. We don't have it figured out theologically all the way. Like when we became believers and followers of Jesus, we didn't get some special, get to a higher level of spirituality card than you guys did. Sometimes we don't have all the answers, but what we do have is the same thing that you have is the Holy Spirit to guide, lead, and direct us in the direction that we need to go to figure out what this thing is all about. And sometimes we want this safe church. Sometimes we want all this theology and we want to over-talk. And I've been a part of churches that all they want to do is cram theology down your throat that you don't even know how to use it. You don't even know how to minister to people. You can't even have honest conversations with people. And then hear me out. Theology is super important. It's important to know why you believe what you believe. And it's important to understand who God is because the more that I can understand who God is, the more in love and the more passionate I am about what he wants to do in and through my life. But sometimes with church, we, we want to be in this consumer church, right? Consumer church. We'll show up, we'll reap the benefits of what's happening and what other people are doing, and then we'll leave. But let me tell you something. You guys today are sitting in the seat of someone else's sacrifice because there are people that come here on Fridays and there are people who pray all during the week. Don't tell me that you're just a volunteer here. You're more than that. When you set up a chair, when you go sit in a kid's area, when you greet someone coming through that door, you are ushering in the kingdom of God. The banquet has been prepared. Sometimes we want church where everybody believes what I believe. We want consumer church, everybody believes what I believe. Or sometimes we want church where everybody better know how to act. You better straighten up. Y'all been a part of those? I remember one time in church, I was a kid, I was like eight years old, and I went walking through the worship space with my hat on. And I had never been lectured so much about why we never wear hats in the worship space. Um, so now today when I lead worship in my church, I wear a hat. I think it's a little side of my rebellion trying to prove a point. Here's the problem with all those. Here's the problems with wanting a church that be a part of a consumer church. Here's the problem with wanting to be a part of a church where everybody knows how to act. That's not the church that Jesus is trying to build. It's yeah. not what he's trying to do. He says, go out, invite the good and the bad, the broken people. And so what I have learned about broken people is this, that brokenness comes in all shapes and sizes. It's, it's not reserved for people who live in a certain area code or in a certain part of Traveler's Rest or people that live out in Marietta or, or North Greenville area. It's not reserved for, for certain area codes. It's not reserved for certain lifestyles. Brokenness finds all races. It'll find rich people. It'll find broke people. It'll find people who are married. It'll find people who are divorced. It'll find people who are 75 years old. It'll find people who are 12 years old. Brokenness is not prejudice. It finds all kinds of people. And the truth is, there are more broken people than there are fixed people. You don't have to look far. They're everywhere. That's why Jesus said, invite everybody that you lay your eyes on. They're all broken, because that's his assumption. They're all broken. And here's something intriguing. You ready? This is, this is deep level stuff right here. Broken people, they're broke. They're broke, right? I've been there. Days I am still there in some of the areas of my life, I'm still broken. You are there. You've been there. We all have had moments of brokenness. Another way to say this about broken people being broke is that sometimes broken people are just bankrupt. And what I mean that they have no currency in certain areas of their life to be able to give. 
Sometimes they're hard to love. It's like they're depleted of things. Their purpose broke. They don't, they don't have purpose. They're, they're aimless. They have no direction. They don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. This is why the question is always, what is my purpose here on earth? What am I supposed to be doing? And so they try to fill the emptiness with other people. Well, maybe if I hang out with these people or go to this school or do this thing, I'll find my purpose. But they always come up broke. Broken people sometimes can be joy broke. Here's what I mean. The, the happiness is gone. Like there's no happiness. There's just, they feel depressed all the time. They try to act happy. They get around groups of people and every, their whole world seems like it's perfect. You get on their social media accounts and it looks like, man, they've got it all together. But in those dark moments when they're alone, they're broken. Their joy is gone. There's no happiness. They look like they have it together, but the truth of the matter is they're bankrupt inside. They have no currency. They fake moments to appear to be something more than what they are. And for years, that's what I did in church, was to appear that I had it all together. But inside, I was broken and I was damaged. And there was a part of me screaming, I don't have anybody that I can talk to about it. Because the moment that I say that I struggle with this, the moment that I say that this is a problem for me, there's going to be a finger pointing at me, judging me for what I've done. That's not the church. That's a Pharisee. That's legalism. Sometimes we spend more time building a church on legalism than we do actually building it on Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to do. And he says, when you're, when you're broken and your life has been shattered, you can't seem to get enough resources because nothing will bring you happiness. There are people who are sober broke. You know what that means? They're not sober. They're, they're chasing stuff to feel stuff in their heart that they can't feel, whether that be addictions to alcohol or addictions to pornography or addictions to having affairs or whatever the addiction may be. Sometimes people are sober broke. They, they, they don't know how to feel what's missing in their life. And here's a bigger one. Sometimes people are just peace broke. Like, I don't know how to have peace. My, my whole life is spent being anxious and worrying about every little thing that happens. You know people like that? If you don't, you might be that one. <laughs> but there's some people who are just joy broke and their peace broke. They're worried, they're afraid, they're fearful. Everything is worst case scenario. The, the feeling is the worst is going to happen to them. And you don't know how to break it because you're caught in the cycle. When you break brokenness down, here's what we find. Brokenness can happen to a family that's been married for 25 years in a really nice neighborhood, and you can come to church every week, and you can be broken. You don't have to be strung out on drugs to be broken. You don't have to have mental illness to be broken. You can have the right mind and still be broken. To be broken means you're broke. And some people don't realize that. Some people do not realize that they're broken. But when the bottom drops, they find themselves alone and hurting, looking, not for a finger pointing, but for a hand reaching out. And it's a lot easier to reach your hand out than it is to point at people who are hurting. See, broken people aren't just broke, they're also in. I wish, and I know this is going to show my education, I know broken ends with an E-N, but let's just for a moment pretend like brokenness ends with an I-N, okay? Can y'all go with me on that, right? Okay, because sometimes people that are broke are in a mess. They're in a mess. They're literally in something. They're in addiction. They are in an affair. They are in a toxic relationship. They are in dysfunction, in rage. You are in it. 
And so when we say fill this house with broken people, that sounds really good. But then it's like, wait, 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 time out. If all those broken people started coming to church with these addictions and rage issues and mental illness and, whew, I don't know, what happens? Because when you bring somebody who's broken, remember, they're depleted. That means the people who are here, who are filled, or people who are fixed, have to give some of their currency to those who are bankrupt. That means that we've got to give of ourselves. That's why we serve. It's why we do Second Saturdays. It's why we come here and volunteer and, and, and give of our lives to, to help usher in this kingdom. This is why we give. The truth of the matter is, it means that we can't expect people who are broken to be magically fixed when they come into this place. Yeah. Right? It's, it's so easy that sometimes uh, we, we've got a Celebrate Recovery um, ministry that happens in our church. And when we started, it was like five or six people. And here's what we found. And, and, and I ran the numbers for your area too. Within five miles of here, of this church, within a five mile radius from right here, there are over 2,500 people who have a dependency to an addiction. Five miles from here. Where are they at? They're not here. Like some of them are ashamed to even step foot in the door of a church because of their addiction. Because maybe they've gone to other churches and they've been burned. What do you do when they come in here? You know what happened? We took those five people and we found out there were other, other addicts in our church who radically got saved, got baptized. Now there's over 75 to 100 people in Celebrate Recovery every Monday night, same time, every Monday night, ministering to each other because they said, hey, I'm broken, you're broken, that's cool, let's do this. Because you have to remember that broken people are in something, so it takes time to work them out of something. So we, we can go, I mean, you walk in the woods, let's go for a hike and take two days to walk in the woods. Guess how long it's going to take to get back out? Maybe for you, two days, it's probably going to take me 10 days because I probably didn't mark the way that I was supposed to walk. I don't, we're in Charleston, we do beaches, not mountains, okay? It's not hard to get lost on the beach. Just walk away from the water and you'll find something. But brokenness in itself is messy. And when you break a glass in the kitchen, you walk in that kitchen a little differently. And as a parent... You keep your kids out of there because it's messy. Because your fear is that they're going to step on something. They're going to track Kool-Aid or spaghetti because normally it's either a teenager or a small child that has made this mess. But you keep them out of that area because you're worried about the mess. And when you invite broken people into the church, it gets messy. Things get confusing because the church all of a sudden doesn't look fixed anymore because the church is now being built on things that are broken and it confuses people in the community especially church people, because they look at you and go, ooh, why does that church let those kinds of people in there? I remember in 2011 when we started our church, we started with 80 people, and today there'll be over 2,000 people attending our church today. We started in the same type school, no Wi-Fi. I'm praying for y'all because I know that's a rough life, no Wi-Fi, but it was the same situations. And I remember when we started and we planted there was a local pastor who said these words. I'm not worried about them talking about us. They're inviting people to the church that we wouldn't even want here anyway. That we wouldn't even want here anyway. And can I tell you, initially, I was offended. But then I processed it and thought, what a great thing to say about our church. That we're going to take people that nobody else wants. I'll do it all day. They wanted to know why we were inviting people who were that way because we want broke people. 
because that's what Jesus did. God said, bring the good and the bad. And so we've built a church on broken people who, so, who go, I'm not okay, but I'm surrounded by people who are going to help me be okay. And we're going to walk life together, and I'm not going to fake it anymore because that's exhausting. Yeah. It is exhausting. The truth is ministering to people, it's tough. And it doesn't make sense sometimes, and it can be so draining. Ministry can be draining a lot of times because it's going to be times where you're thinking, man, I just, I don't, I'm just not going to go to set up. I'm just not going to come this morning. I'm just not going to do that. It can be draining. But there's somebody depending on you today to be here. You can be a part of other churches where this is not the norm. Broken people aren't welcome. Other races are not welcome. This is reality. What we know about Trailside is what I'm praying for is that God was going to fill this house. He's going to fill this house with broken people that every place is filled here to where you're doing multiple services here because people found out that this was a refuge for them to come to and be real. These seats in here are not supposed to be empty. If there's an empty seat, there's an urgency, right? There's an urgency. What are we doing? What are we doing as a church to take up what God's called us to do? I mean, are we taking this to heart? Because everywhere we lay our eyes on, we're going to invite people here. And people may say, well, no one's going to come here this early in the morning. Nobody's going to come to church this early in the morning. Well, it took me 30 minutes to get here from Greenville. And I passed a lot of cars this morning. A lot of cars. There are a lot of broken people driving through the intersection at Traveler's Rest right now, this morning. That means there's thousands of broken people who are awake right now that need a fixer. Let us not get comfortable because you and I have a seat. Let's not get comfortable. Fill this house with broken people. It's going to get messy, but we're welcoming it. We invite brokenness into this place because we're okay with it. Look what Matthew 9 says. It tells us this story. It says, later, when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with his close followers, a lot of disreputable characters. That was the way that he des Matthew describes these people that Jesus was with. Just, their reputations were like, oh, you probably don't want to be around them. And he says, they came and joined Jesus. And when the Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company, they had a fit. Because here's what happens when broken people come here. Religious people tend to get very upset because they don't understand it. And he says... What kind of example is this from your teacher? Not our teacher, your teacher. What kind of example is this? Acting cozy with crooks and riffraff. And I love this. Jesus overhearing shot back. He's like, uh, -uh. Here's, here's the way this is. And Jesus says, who needs a doctor? The healthy or the sick? And he kind of stood back for a second and let that simmer. Trailside is a hospital. It is a hospital. It is a place where sick, broken people can come to. Sick people who are broken, people who are hurt, no matter what they have done, this can be a safe haven for lost, broken people getting put back together again. And it's going to get uncomfortable because the parking lot's going to get full. You may not get the seat that you always had. Right? The children's classrooms are overflowing with people. And I know you're thinking, I can't wait to that day, and I would never complain about that. But can I tell you, be careful 
because I, we have nowhere to park on Sundays and I find myself complaining that I have to park a long way away so a golf cart can pick me up. You know, a golf cart can pick me up with the radio playing and take me to the front door and I'm complaining about it. And then I have to keep in perspective, hold on, this is about lost people. Once I'm a follower of Jesus and a part of this thing, it's not about me anymore. It's about those who do not know Jesus and those who are not here yet. This is the kind of church Jesus is building here. Fill this house. God's looking for a place for sick people to come. So if you're broken today, you're in the right place. Look what Jesus says right after he says that, when he says, I am here for the sick, he goes in verse 13 of Matthew 9, he says this, go, go figure out what that scripture means. He says, I, I'm after mercy. I'm not after religion. I'm after mercy. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle the insiders. And I wonder what Jesus would call you. Would he call you a mercy person today? Or would he call you a religion person? Like, would he say that you're so full of mercy that you're, you're inviting outsiders? Or would he say that, man, you're just doing your weekly, weekly routines. You're just showing up. You're just, you're being coddled. You're singing your favorite worship songs. You're doing your time, checking it off your list. Or would he say that your life is patterned to help broken people? Or would he say that your life is patterned just so that you can be comfortable? What would he say? What would he say about you? Mercy or religion? They didn't like that Jesus was inviting these broken people into his world. They were okay when it was just them and him, but they didn't like it when broken people, messy people, began sitting at the table. They just liked being in Jesus's presence without all the mess. Can I tell you that Jesus does his best work in the mess? The best work. He is a God of resurrection. Here's the second thing. I'm praying God wants to fill this house with people who would do anything to help broken people. He wants broken people here, but he wants a people who will do anything to get it here. There are two types of people in this house. There are broken people, and there are those who love to help broken people. People who would do anything short of sin to help those who are hurting. They would do anything to help people who are hurting. People that will love and people that will be filled with compassion, you have to love people that you don't like. You have to love people who are not like you if you're going to be in this game. you got to love people that don't act like you, they don't talk like you. Um, you. Sometimes you look at them and everything is questionable. But God has asked us to be an overflow of love and compassion towards those people. But you have to have this. If you're going to be a church that reaches broken people, your capacity to love has to be flowing out, filled to the brim because it will deplete you. Yet you have to have it, because when you're dealing with broken people, at some point, you're going to get cut. They don't know how to love and receive love the way that you do. They don't know Jesus. And then we judge them for the way that they act, and they're only acting like a person who doesn't know Jesus. And so what we've been called to do is to be able to go in and pick up, pick up those broken pieces. I, I remember... When I was, I don't know, I think I was like 15 or 16 years old, and my sister busted this big glass pot in the middle of our kitchen. I didn't know about it, but later on, a couple of hours, my mom asked me to take the trash out. And apparently, putting glass uh, pots in a trash bag is the most convenient place to put anything that's sharp object. And I didn't know this, but when I went to take out the trash, when I picked the trash bag up, there was a piece of the glass that came out that I did not see. And I've got a scar about that big on my leg to this day. 
that I was cut. It wasn't my mess. I didn't make the mess. But I cleaned the mess up, and I got hurt. And I bled for a little bit, but I didn't get mad at anybody. I went ahead and finished the trash. I went ahead and finished the job. But today I look at that scarring, and, and I know how to handle that. Today when I pick up trash bags, I, I hold them away from me because I have a phobia that there's something sharp in those trash bags. And when you're dealing with messy people, you're going to get hurt. And it, it's not going to be anything that you've done. You're going you're to have to try to love them, and they don't know how to love you. You're going to have to care for them. They don't know how to be cared for. They're not going to honor you or respect you because they don't get respect themselves, so they don't know, so it's tough when you deal with them. You're going to get hurt. You've got to have that capacity to love them. So how do, I, how do I help broken people? I want to, I want to wrap this up. How do I help? If you're going to help broken people, you've got to be willing to give. And here's what I mean. To help broken people, you have to be able to give of your time. Let's start with that. You're going to have to give up some of your time to help people. It's easy just to show up and to leave, right? Because today, when I'm done, I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to leave because y'all got, the, y'all got the work to do, right? You've got work to do. And it's easy for us just to show up and leave. But you're not here for just you anymore. You're here for other people. It's, it's an honor to be able to set out a chair and pick up a chair for someone who's going to come in here for the first time. Do you think these baptisms just happened because they were just magical? Or do you think these baptisms happened because of what God's doing through you here? That people are finding God because of your actions, of what you're doing and what he's doing through you. You got to be willing to give up your time. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. You have to figure out how you're going to give time serving. You got to figure out how I'm going to give it. And that may just be doing administration work during the week. Hey, I've got access to a printer. I'm just going to print a couple of things out. Well, that's not a big deal. Yeah, it is. Have you ever been in kids and they don't have anything to do? Those coloring sheets are miracle workers. But you need to join a serve team. You need to show up to second Saturday. This is where, see, we expect all these broken people to come to us. We got to go to them. Because for a long time, churches have done a bad job of influencing and helping broken people know that they belong here. That's why it's taboo. So we go to them, show them love where they are, meet them where they are. Because did Jesus not meet us where we were? And then bring them back here. You got to get in the game. Here's the second thing you need to do. You got to, to help broken people, you have to give of your resources. You got to give of your resources. Why do I have to bring my resources? Because the Bible says so. He, he says this in Malachi 3.10, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse so there will be food for many. So there'll be food for many. What that means is because of your generosity, you're going to be able to do things through this house to help fill this house. Invitations, rent to use this place. It would be awesome if this place was free. It would be awesome if this place had Wi-Fi. But it takes resources. It takes currency, money to be able to do this, to have surf Saturdays, to provide staffing opportunities, to move into buildings, to repair equipment that only breaks on Sundays, right? And nobody works on Sundays to fix it. But if you're going to help broken people, you got to give of your time. You got to give financially to it. You got to be able to give. To help broken people, you have to serve and invite them. It's a third thing. This can be super intimidating to invite broken people here. You might have to go to some places you normally don't go. You may have to have conversations that you normally don't want to. But you're going to have to have these conversations. I remember a few years ago, I was sitting in this restaurant with my family. And we were just, our family, 
And I just felt so, there was a woman sitting behind us by herself, and I just felt so weird. Like there was something, the Holy Spirit said, you got to go talk to her. I don't know, I don't talk to strangers. It's not my thing. But the Holy Spirit, you got to talk to her. You need to go back there. And he gave me a word to give her. And I thought, okay, here it goes. I didn't say anything to my wife besides, hey, I'm supposed to say something to this lady. And I got up because I knew what would happen. I talked myself out of it. Turned around, went to her table right behind us. I said, ma'am, you don't know me. Always good to start out with that. I'm a pastor. Second thing, if you can use that, use it. Um, and I said, I'm just sitting there eating with my family, and I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me, to tell you this verse, that he says that he'll give you a peace that will surpass all understanding. I don't know what that means. If you think that's weird, I apologize, but I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you that. And immediately, tears started rolling down her face. She said, I just lost my husband two days ago. Didn't have anybody to talk to. And I prayed for her, and her daughter showed up. That was uncomfortable. Because I was like, if this is wrong, it's that bad burrito principle or bad sushi at that point. But when I shared it, her life immediately, there was hope for her. I didn't get into theological debates with her. I just wanted her to know that Jesus knew exactly what was going on in that moment and that he was promising peace to her. And I got up and I went back to my table and looked at my wife and was like, that was weird. (laughs) But that's what Jesus is asking us to do is to step out of these situations that are so comfortable and get into places that are inconvenienced. Because I'm with my family, man. I'm off the clock. I'm not a pastor right now. That's, that's what some people think. But you're always on the clock because lost people are everywhere and there's not enough time to be throwing away when we need to be investing. We've got to invite people. God is in the game of putting broken things back together again. We have to live inconvenient lives. The servants in Matthew 22, he's there, he said that there's two groups of people that were attending the banquet, but they kept saying no. So this is what the Bible, because typically we, we say, we ask and we get no, and then we quit and we don't take no for an answer. We keep praying for the Holy Spirit to move, the Holy Spirit to do something. So he says, go back out. And so the Bible says, Jesus told them to go out. And when they did, he said, now go out to the street corners and invite everybody you see. Everybody you see. That had to be an inconvenience because I've already been there before. I've already been there before. I've already asked this person. I've already done. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep knocking. I want God to fill this house with people who do anything and everything to know Jesus. And I want him to fill the house to the brim. Imagine with me for a second, if you were a hospital, you went to the hospital today because your child cut an artery and nobody in uniform would help you. And you go to the doctor and he goes, oh, I'm I'm taking a break right now. I know I look like a doctor, but I'm a little busy right now. It would be an inconvenience of my normal routine to help you with this artery that's pouring blood out of your child right now. At Trailside, we want broke people and we want doctors. Hurt people and people who are helping. Trailside doesn't need people who are looking for something to happen. They need people who are willing to make something happen. You want to help broken people? Fill this house with the presence of God. Fill it with the presence of God. We can invite all day. 
and people can show up and we can minister, but without the presence of God, all this is vain. We have to have the Spirit. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Without His tangible presence, what we do means absolutely nothing. We need His presence to be thick in this place. When people pull up in the parking lot, that they can sense there's a presence of the Holy Spirit on this place. And I found that when you step into the presence of God, nothing can ever remain the same. Because when Jesus is in the house, anything can happen. When you get in the presence of God, nothing remains the same. It's the kind of presence where something supernaturally shifts. The atmosphere shifts. With the power of his presence, things begin to shift in this place. And if God is not here, then we don't want to go. Refuse today to take another step without his presence. Because when we're walking in cadence with him, these conversations are a lot easier that God gave me a word, I'm going to give it. Because it's not your reputation on the line, it's his. Second Corinthians says, for the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That means when his presence is there, you get free. Shackles begin to fall off. All mindsets begin to be removed. Bondages begin to be broken. He'll give you the ability to live the life that you have been called to live, but it's only in his presence, with his spirit. And I have learned when it comes to brokenness, God is the gap filler. He will meet me where I am and get me to where I need to be. When there's a mess on the ground, God has a way of taking all these pieces and putting them back together again. There's this art in Japanese art, and you can Google this if you can figure out how to spell it. It's called kintsuji. And it's where they take broken pottery when it breaks, and they take it to these artists. And they use actual gold to mend these pieces back together to make it. And here's what the Japanese say. That that bowl now has been inlaid with gold, even though it was once broken is so much more valuable now. And what God wants to do is bring broken people into this place that have been rejected, have wearing shame and guilt, and he wants to bring them here and use you to inlay them with hope, with peace, with joy. He wants you to give of your currency of what he's done for you. So this morning... Talk to Pastor Sean. He's got some of you that are going to come forward. We're going to pray. And I want us to respond today. And here's our response. That you're following two camps. Man, I am broken and I need Jesus. I need Jesus to step into the middle of what I'm in right now and help clean this mess up. Or number two, I need to step it up. I need to be, I need to be the doctor. I need to tell people about Jesus. I need to, I need to serve I need to get involved. We want to pray over you. We want to pray that God would move so much in your life that this place becomes everything that it's supposed to be, everything that's intended. Because this is not meant to be a cruise ship. This is a battleship. And as long as heaven and hell are true realities, we got a war to fight. And sometimes I'm concerned that the enemy fights harder for our community than we do. Because he will do everything in his power to steal, kill, and destroy. But the only way that our community can know the hope that exists is through 
the lifeblood of the churches here in this community. I want to ask those that are going to pray, if you're going to come forward and just stand right here in the front, you're going to pray over people. And I want you, during this response, come down. Somebody wants to pray for you. They want to pray with you. want to pray over you. But I believe today marks a new chapter in the life of this church. You believe that this morning? A new chapter. I want to pray for you. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing in and through the life of Trailside. God, I just pray that we would recognize the brokenness and the people that are broken here in our community. God, today's the day that we just need to understand that and recognize that. I pray for those who are broken here that need you, that God, they would not hinder anymore, that they would come forward or even sitting in the seat, that they would pray this prayer. If you're one of those that you say, I need Jesus today, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me. I, I believe in what you did on the cross. You died for my sin. And God, you rose again. Just thank you for saving me. I need your help. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's respond this morning. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you were encouraged by the message and you feel closer to Christ than you ever have before. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit us in person, or help support our mission as we seek to love Jesus, serve others, and live unified, check us out online at trailside.church or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you again soon.